Hi, everybody. It's March the 29th. You are listening to Born on This Day, the podcast that celebrates all things March 29th. Once again, I'm Amanda Barker. And I'm Bill Antony. And today is National Nevada Day. So I guess it's national in the States anyway, but we can all celebrate the glory that is Nevada. Mm-hmm. It is the battle-born state and the 36th state to join the Union. Um, and uh, in 1964, it joined West Virginia as the only other state to be granted statehood during the Civil War. Oh, interesting. Uh, have you been to Nevada? I have not. Oh, you have I've never been to the West Coast. What? Never been to the west side of America. What? This is I all know. fascinating to me. Well, this was something that was like on my list of things to do mm. coming up soon. And then, and then you thought, yeah. no, I'm going to stay home and record a podcast every single day for a year. For the rest of my with life. With my best friends, Amanda and Marco. And here we are, almost a year later. Well, um, Nevada's a really cool... I mean, I've only really seen Vegas, if I'm being fair. I haven't... Well, I think I haven't that's the case for most people. ...explored uh, Nevada. I've been to Vegas twice, I think. Um, and listen, it's a fun time. All that said, I've been, I've been to the outer expanse of Vegas, not just, like, the Strip. So, right. um... At least I've seen a little bit of that. And uh, it's a really, it's definitely desert. I mean, it's when you're not used to desert, it's weird when you're in one, you know? But, yes, um, and I did not realize until a friend of mine went to Vegas recently that a lot of people do their trip to the Grand Canyon from Vegas. Yes, that's a yeah. very, very popular thing to do. You can take a helicopter tour or however you want to do it. Well, if you were born today, of course you are an Aries, and your personality is defined by your passionate and enthusiastic nature. You take to all matters of life with great energy and passion, which may be a result of your deep desire to be the best at all you do. Your drive is so defined that second place can sometimes be considered failure. Hmm, interesting. Let's see if that's true for any of our birthday celebrants today. Lucy Lawless is best known and beloved for her role as Xena Warrior Princess on 134 episodes of that show from 1995 to 2001, during which she also made eight appearances on the show's corresponding Hercules series. I had never watched either of them, but my best friend Heather loved Xena and never missed it. Oh, wow. And so I, I always just think of it as her show. Mm-hmm. She had a brief role, uh, Lucy Lawless, that is, on the 2003 <laughs> Tarzan series, was a recurring guest on Battlestar Galactica and co-starred on Spartacus, Blood and Sand, and Gods of the Arena. Most recently, she was on My Life is Murder. She was awarded an Order of Merit in the New Zealand Queen's Birthday Honor List in June 2004. She is on the Board of Trustees of the Starship Foundation, which gets involved in children's health care. Currently, she's probably most famous for her Twitter fights with Kevin Sorbo from Hercules. She was born on this day in Auckland, New Zealand in 1968. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was just going to tell you about Diane Weist because I have the wrong script up. Shall um, I continue? No, it's okay. okay um, it. Although uh, I'm now questioning how I'm saying this name because I question all Italian things because I think I say them all wrong. Pretend the C is an H. Right. That's what I would have. Okay, good. I got it right. Annabella Shora. Is that right? Yeah, I, I was Shora. Shora, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Annabella Shorta came to prominence in the early 90s, appearing in Internal Affairs and Cadillac Man, and moving up to leads with The Hard Way, Jungle Fever, and the box office hit The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Further roles include Romeo is Bleeding, Antony, Antony Minghella's Mr. Wonderful, and uh, was also she was nominated for an Emmy for her appearance on The Sopranos. 
Uh, in October of 2017, she alleged that in 1993, Harvey Weinstein forced his way into her apartment and raped her and spent years afterwards repeating harassing her, uh, repeatedly harassing her and deterring producers from hiring her for film roles. She was a key witness in her in her trial and the trial against in his him. trial. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what I meant. Well, it was hers, too, because she yeah. was a witness. But yeah. the jury unanimously decided that they could not convict Weinstein on the basis of her testimony beyond a reasonable doubt, unfortunately. Her word against his. Most recently, she was in the film The Kitchen, and she was a guest star on Glow. Oh, who was she in Glow? Uh, she was born on this day in Weatherfield, Connecticut. Weathersfield, Connecticut, rather, in 1960. Yeah, I just remember her showing up in one episode. Aww. Yeah, so she has been working consistently since she began. Like her, there's no, there's no spaces in her IMDb, mm-hmm. but definitely the um, visibility um, declined right. after a certain point. And you could also say that it could just be because she was hitting her 40s and that it wasn't going to be the same as when she was an ingenue. But the Apparently, that it is also the case that um, Harvey Weinstein tinkered uh, with her reputation, as he did with many others. So it's not it's not hard to believe. He was powerful, and people listened to him, and yeah, he owned so a lot of productions. So yeah. The good news is, is that even though um, her trial was not one of the linchpins in, or her t- testimony was not one of the linchpins in his trial, he did end up, uh, you know, going to jail forever. So yeah. there was enough yeah. uh, of verifiable testimony. Um, and the only thing that's unfortunate is that I don't know if she's not well lately or whatever, but like she suddenly became very visible again, post Harvey Weinstein and me too. And it was great. And I was like, I was so upset when I found out about it because I always loved her and I always wondered where she went basically. Yeah. And I was so upset to think that this had happened to her. Um, and she shows up on glow. She has a cameo in the kitchen. She presents at the Oscars. And in every case, she's like, speaking slowly and seeming like she's like wow uh you know like on a different plane you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i'm like is she okay like and is she always going to be cast as like sad broken women um like it's just i don't know what's going on uh with that well i mean once you have trauma sometimes you deal with it yeah yeah, yeah. so i don't i don't mean to make light of it no 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 no, but i hear you terrible a person i am also i have found in my life being an actress myself and knowing a bunch of them that generally those types of predators do do prey on people that they think everybody will call crazy and it just adds yeah they they know who to choose and they they know how to smell your vulnerabilities and really capitalize them yeah and also to break you down little by little over the years they Um, want people they want somebody that they can say she's crazy and everyone can go oh i can kind of see that well because they want it to be easy that's the one of the things yeah. that i think a lot of people don't realize is that like i don't think that i think that these men are like lazily evil which is that mm-hmm. i don't know that they actually spend every day thinking about their victims i think it's that they they want people that they think they they can just do whatever they want without having to try very hard yeah of course yeah um, I, I definitely agree with so that. i guess my point is that every role i have seen her in has directly commented on this aspect of her resurgence of fame Mm. and her appearances at the oscars commented on and it's like is this what she's always going to be is she always going to be the harvey weinstein victim even when she's playing a role in a movie or does she get to do anything else that's what i you know that's that's why that's why that's one of the very main reasons that you don't come out because you're that you never get to escape it. Of course. And you didn't, you didn't ask for it in the first place and you certainly don't want to be defined by it. Yeah. Um, And then it becomes the thing that everyone talks about. I mean, yeah, of course we do. We are now. Yeah. I get it. I absolutely get it. Anyway. 
Brendan Gleeson spent time with the Dublin Shakespeare Festival after high school, then went to London and attended drama schools, eventually joining the Royal Shakespeare Company. At 35, he made his film debut in Jim Sheridan's The Field, later was in Ron Howard's Far and Away and Mel Gibson's Braveheart, before earning acclaim for roles in Michael Collins, The Butcher Boy, and John Borman's The General. He has consistently appeared in a mix of art house classics and blockbuster favorites, including Mission Impossible 2, Gangs of New York, The Village, Breakfast on Pluto, In Bruges, The Guard, and Calvary. Most recently, he was in Paddington 2, Frankie with Isabelle Hubert, and the series Mr. Mercedes. This year, he received his fourth Golden Globe nomination for playing Donald Trump in The Comey Rule. Oh, yeah, he was, was born on this day in Dublin, Ireland in 1955. Born in the States to a French United Nations diplomat father, Christopher Lambert grew up in European boarding schools before studying acting at the Paris Conservatoire. He appeared in a few French films before the role of Tarzan in the 1984 film Greystroke was down to him and Viggo Mortensen. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, who's that, really? at the end of the day. Well, Lambert won the part and went on to become a star in the Highlander film series as Connor McLeod. He was later in Night Moves, The Hunted, Mortal Kombat, and Beowulf, while continuing to work in Europe as well in Claire Denis' white material, Ma Bonne Etoile, and Etoile, and uh, Sobibor. He was a guest on NCIS, Los Angeles, and The Blacklist, and from 1988 to 1994 was married to actress Diane Lane, much to her chagrin. <laughs> She never has. She never talks about it, and she never gives the impression there's anything good going on there. So I, I mean, they were married a long time too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess they not have a daughter that together too. Like six yeah. years. He was born on this day, in Manhasset, New York, um, the same place that everybody's music stand comes from, in 1957. <laughs> and you always wonder if they spelled Manhattan wrong. Yeah, uh, you're always like, it's Manhattan, oh, Manhasset. Well, it was recently Greece's bicentennial uh, of our independence, so I'm happy to give a birthday shout out to a fellow uh, Greek or a child of Greek immigrants, I should say, like myself. Mm-hmm. Marina Sirtis studied at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama and began working in musical theater, and like most children of Greek parents, did so against their wishes and support. <laughs> she found that in England, she would always be cast in supporting roles because of being ethnic, so she moved to Los Angeles to try her hand there. After finding little success for a long amount of time, she was prepared to give up and move back to England when she was cast as Deanna Troy on Star Trek The Next Generation, a role for which she is still loved by Star Trek fans, even though none of us really know what she does on that show. (laughs) She's supposed to be an empath who can read minds, but every time they're talking to a diplomat alien, she's like, Captain, I sense a lot of anger and frustration i'm like is it because he's yelling at us anyway <laughs> thanks for being here deanna anyway i do love her though uh and she had a really dramatic nose job as well because i saw her in a movie from before star trek and it was a totally different face but oh, anyway wow. greek girls what are you gonna do she remained on the show for seven seasons and subsequent films and was a guest on voyager plus appeared in the films crash inalienable speed demons and for the love of george she's so lovely and she was born on this day in london england in 1955 well the next is a a personal all-time favorite of mine and also greek yeah that's true and my favorite i was gonna say half greek and my favorite on this list i love her so much that i went and found um uh, a play that she and her brother 
had written uh, that was very little produced and uh, became the first person to produce it in Canada. That's how much I love her. Anyway, a former member of the Second City and Annoyance Theater groups, troops. I didn't realize she was part of Annoyance. That's very mm. interesting. Uh, I have studied with both, and Annoyance is a very interesting uh, <laughs> place to be, and I really enjoyed my little time that I got to spend there. Amy Sedaris had her breakthrough with the series Strangers with Candy in 1999, who can forget it, which was canceled after three seasons for low ratings because nobody got it at the time. Um, but wow, so many careers um, have blossomed oh, since. Yeah. She's I watched since... practically every episode because my best friend Heather's husband was obsessed with it mm-hmm. and made us watch it all the time. And then we all went to see the movie together. So oh, like, I feel amazing. like I know that show so well. I've never seen the movie. That's amazing. It's okay. Um, she's since become a cult favorite and so is the show for sure. She was a guest on Sex in the City. I believe she was the, um, uh, the book publisher. The right? rabbi. Yeah. She was the rabbi. Uh, yeah, her and Molly rabbi, Shannon, yeah. I think, were um, book publishers. Yeah. Is uh, the, they were her publicists, I think. Publicists, yeah, they worked yeah. for the pub- They worked for the publisher. There, yeah. And they were great together. And yeah. uh, Just Shoot Me as well. She appeared in School of Rock. Um, remember, she was the secretary in Elf. In mm-hmm. 2005, she starred in the film version of Strangers with Candy, which we've already discussed because I have not seen it. Uh, more recently, she was on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yeah, that's right. And her own series, At Home with Amy Sedaris, for which she has been nominated for two Emmys. She's also written uh, a few books, uh, mm-hmm. two big coffee table books, which my family has dutifully gotten me every Christmas. Um, she plays Pelimoto on The Mandalorian and is a voice on BoJack Horseman. And F is for family. She is, of course, the sister of uh, many people, because that is a big family, but mm-hmm. including, uh, and not limited to, David Sedaris, and was born on this day in Endicott, New York, in 1961. Although I believe they did a lot of their growing up in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and us Greek canadians are very snobby about greek americans Mm. uh just because you know it is much more of a melting pot down there so it's rare to find a child of greek immigrants who speaks greek as well as we do and Mm -hmm. so we we tend to do the uh we tend to play the you're not as greek as we are card sure uh and actually because um immigration to to the states also happened a lot more a lot earlier yeah usually people my age are the grandchildren of greek immigrants so they're even further removed right yeah totally so I laugh because every time David or Amy, David, especially in his writing, when he really like um, makes reference to his Greek heritage, I'm like, no, I'm just like, I just yeah. slammed it. I'm like, no, you have a sister named Gretchen. You are not Greek. Leave right. me alone. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like your niece's niece, you know, or your totally. niece's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, granddaughter yeah. saying, oh, I'm so yeah. Greek. And at that point, yes, but also, yeah, no, I know it's, it's the same with um, Italians because mm-hmm. I mean, World War II changed everything, right? And so once they yep. couldn't come into the States, they came other places. Although I will say that um, I, 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 Greek in particular, and you can tell me that I'm wrong because I probably am, but I remember in Massachusetts, I remember hearing a lot more people with Greek accents. Yeah, Like, I don't remember anybody that had an Italian accent. If they were Italian, it was very, it was, they were definitely like third, fourth, fifth generation. But Greek. Oh, I have a lot of relatives or relatives of relatives in Boston, in Massachusetts in general. Yeah, Yeah. I I actually remember people that were Greek were actually Greek, which actually, mm-hmm. as we said, is 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 much more rare than it is where we live. Probably because they could work as uh, fishermen, which is what they did back home. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just it's just occurring. It's also why you have a lot of Portuguese there too. Right. Yeah. Um, lest we forget uh, Barker Party of Five. Barker Party of Five. <laughs> Barker. Or Mystic Pizza. <laughs> or Mystic Pizza, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, the next one's yours. Sorry. 
Scott Wilson was a theater actor in Atlanta when he was discovered by Norman Jewison and cast in his film debut in the Oscar-winning In the Heat of the Night, a movie I still love. It quickly led to his being cast in the lead role in the film adaptation of Truman Capote's In Cold Blood and set Wilson on the path of a successful film career that included The Great Gatsby, The Ninth Configuration, for which he was nominated for a Golden Globe, Flesh and Bone, Dead Man Walking, Pearl Harbor, The Last Samurai, and the recurring role of Herschel Green on The Walking Dead. A year after his death in 2018, Aww. at the age of 76, his last appearance was on the series of The O.A. Uh, he was born on the stay in Atlanta, Georgia in 1942. Oh, he was so great on The Walking Dead. Herschel. Elle McPherson briefly studied law at the University of Sydney before her modeling career took off, becoming famous for her five cover appearances on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, which led to her being nicknamed The Body by Time magazine. She briefly appeared as a model in Woody Allen's Alice before making an acclaimed acting debut in the 1994 erotic drama Sirens, then appeared in If Lucy Fell, Jane Eyre, The Mirror Has Two Faces, and Batman and Robin. She had a run as Janine on Friends, and her most recent acting role was in the film South Kensington, after which she became host of Fashion Star and Britain's Next Top Model. She was born on this day in good old Sydney, Australia in 1964. One of my absolute favorite models. I love her. Oh, I didn't know we got to have favorite models. Yeah. <laughs> I guess mine favorite is Christy Turling. Yeah, I guess so. No. Yeah, I mean, I love a lot of them, but uh, I lo always loved Elle McPherson. I thought she was so cool. <clears throat> Bud Court is best known for his performance as Half of Harold and Maude, which he played near the beginning of his career in 1971 and earned a Golden Globe nomination. He had formed a comedy team with Elaine May's daughter, Jeannie Berlin, performing his comedy material all over Manhattan's nightclubs when he was discovered by Robert Altman, who cast him as Private Boone in his Oscar-winning film, MASH, and his next film, Brewster McCloud. Court's later roles included The Secret Diary of Sigmund Freud, Invaders from Mars, the TV movie And the Band Played On, Coyote Ugly, and Ed Harris's Pollock. His most recent film was a voice in the film adaptation of The Little Prince. He was born on the stand in New Rochelle, New York, in 1948. Well, my favorite model, Eric Idle, was one of the co-creators of Monty Python, co-writing their films Life of Brian and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, one of my favorites that Marco absolutely has no time for. And I get it. Same as you don't like uh, Quentin Tarantino's fans, Marco generally doesn't like Holy Grail's fans. And I understand Ugh, no, that. God, I totally get that. Too. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, and I'm totally one of those losers anyway which he later adapted to the stage as spam a lot um he's definitely the most hustling of any of the pythons i'm just Without gonna say doubt. that yeah. right now yeah. um i watched a documentary it's a great documentary on netflix uh about them and about their life and how they came to be and what they're doing now and um they kind of wanted to make it before you know any more of them they lost anymore Anyway, and uh, it's clear, like, Spam a lot wouldn't have happened without him. He's the one who's, like, pushing this stuff forward, whereas a lot mm -hmm. of them are like, we're done and it's over. Anyway, yeah. um, he did, and it did, win a Tony for Best Musical, a Grammy, and a Drama Desk Award in 2005. As an actor, he's appeared in the films Yellowbeard, Nuns on the Run, Casper, Dudley Do-Right, and Hollywood Homicide. Hence, hence his need <laughs> to have to hustle <laughs> for Python stuff mm. uh, versus... Um, What's his nuts? Anyway, in 2014, he created, directed, and appeared in the sold-out final Mighty Python reunion show. Again, all him. Um, one down, five to go. Because <laughs> one of them died, right? At London's O2 <laughs> Arena for 10 nights, whose final performance was broadcast live around the world. They just did their greatest hits and collected a bunch of money. 
Yep. Uh, John Cleese, that's the name I was trying to... Yeah, sorry. I called him the fish called Wanda guy. Uh, He was born on this day in South Shields, England in 1943, and good for him. Megan Hilty rose to fame with her performance as Glinda in Wicked, Dora Lee in the stage version of 9 to 5, and her Tony nomination for playing Brooke in Noises Off. A Carnegie Mellon School of Drama graduate, she was a guest on a number of television episodes before playing one of the leads in the series Smash. You'll remember her because she was the one who wasn't totally boring, mm-hmm. uh, unlike Catherine McPhee, which lasted two seasons. And this, that is my second time bashing Catherine McPhee. I can't help it. Uh, which lasted two seasons and led to her appearing on Sean Saves the World and Brain Dead. Most recently, she has been voicing characters on the Trolls series and It's Pony. Uh, she was born on this day in Bellevue, Washington in 1981. My friend's daughter loves her voice on Trolls. Oh, yeah, she's great. Victor Salva directed a short film that caught Francis Ford Coppola's attention and led to Coppola producing his theatrical feature debut, Clown House. In 1995, he made national news when the release of his biggest film, Powder, oh, this guy, was accompanied by the revelation that in 1988, he served a year in prison after confessing to five felony counts of sexual revelations. (laughs) Revelations. Uh, not for the kid. Um, sexual relations with a 12-year-old boy who organized a boycott of the film. The boy it's the the boy himself organized the boycott of the film? Good for him. Well, he was much older by this point. Yeah, but good yeah. for him anyway. Yeah. Um, in the years before Twitter, so, you know, it, it got right. as far as it got. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most of us remember that story. Because like, whenever you think yeah, of yeah. powder, you think, oh, yeah. powder. Oh, yeah, wasn't there a thing? Yep, totally. Um, I should say, well, I shouldn't say, but I will say I watched powder... A, a pirated version of powder on the most one of the most repl- remote places I've ever been on this planet, which is a tiny, tiny little island off of Lombok in Indonesia. Amazing. That didn't have any uh, roads, but there was one horse that they would that would go around the island on the hour, and um, <laughs> so we had to move all our chairs for the, whoever was taking the horse to get by as we watched powder. So as we watched, cause powder was like the only thing to do was go to this one place that was showing powder amazing, and eat fish. So, um, that's what I, re- I remember watching powder, but every like Ugh. 45 minutes you had to move for the horse. It's <laughs> amazing. Anyway, that's my memory of powder. Um, but most of us remember that, um, there was some, uh, allegations and of mm-hmm. course the boycott, it did hurt the film anyway, the box office, hence, hence me watching a pirated version in the <laughs> far reaches of Indonesia. But yeah. Salva had his biggest hit yet with the 2001 horror film Jeepers Creepers and its sequel later directed Rosewood Lane, Haunted and Jeepers Creepers 3. Um, I don't know something happened there. But anyway, he was born on this day in Martinez, California um, in 1958. But yeah, it's the, the island. Uh, it was called the island is Gilly Air. It's one of the oh, Gilly wow. Islands off of Lombok. And Lombok is sort of off of Bali. Like people know where Bali is. You have to go to Bali, take a boat over to Lombok, and then from Lombok drive all the way north and then take a mm-hmm. boat to one of the Gilly Islands. And this island was Gilly Air if you want to go find it on a map. Well, my story is not that interesting. I saw that movie in a Scarborough movie theater with my friend Jason, and uh, my dad picked this up when it was over, and it's <laughs> not at all a good movie. No, it's and not. And I have a feeling a lot of people read the reviews and were like, yeah, I'm going to avoid it for this reason, even though I think no one wanted to really see it anyway. I don't... It was like about a guy who was like albino and had powers or something. Yeah, yeah. He could make yeah. spend, spoons bend. I mean, we've heard way worse things about Brian Singer, and yet X-Men yeah. movies opened to right. you know, beautifully every time. Right. So, uh, no, I you're right. 
again, I know I'm a terrible person, but I have a feeling that people just do whatever they want to do and then call it something else after. Yeah. Um, also, I'm really sorry that you have to read all the rapists today. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other yeah. day today. It's yeah, uh, it's National huge. Nevada Day, and Amanda Amanda right. has to talk about sexual assault. Yeah, not that we do these in bunches. We are we do actually get up every morning and read this live to you. We anyway. do, but it is yeah. National Nevada, and Amanda reads the rapist day. Yeah, Michael Winterbottom <laughs> began his career as assistant to celebrated director Lindsay Anderson, which he said basically amounted to holding cups of tea. But he became a celebrated director in his own right with his feature debut, Butterfly Kiss, in 1995, which is a movie I loathe. His career has covered a wide variety of styles, subjects, and genres, from the adaptation of Jude the Obscure to the political drama Welcome to Sarajevo, the comedy 24-Hour Party People, the experimental Nine Songs, and In This World, for which he won the BAFTA for non-English films. I actually do love most of his films. Um, his film A Mighty Heart is also a really good film, even though it has Angelina playing a black woman, and I still don't get how that oh, happened. Oh, yeah, that movie. Um, yeah, it is a good movie, though. Uh, and most recently, he made the documentary series The Trip, The Trip to Greece, The Trip to Spain, The Trip to Italy, and, of course, just The Trip with uh, Rob Brydon and um, Steve Coogan. He was born on this day in Blackburn, England, in 1961. Yeah, you know, that... that barely made a blip when she played a black woman uh because the movie barely made a blip right. if, if she had gotten nom she was um sort of spoken about in oscar circles but not really because the movie didn't really get very far it might have played in one theater in toronto so had the movie made more traction and if she'd gotten nominated for it you would have heard a lot more about it but because the movie disappeared so quickly even yeah. still i mean that does go to show that i'm sure she wouldn't do it today so it does go to show like we all, it was also, we've all grown I remember together. even at the time, even, I mean, the heat around this sort of discussion wasn't the same, but the discussion was still there. It was there, and, yeah. And at the time I thought, well, she, I know that she's playing a woman who's half, like, Afro-Cuban. Yeah. Uh, and half white. Yeah. And I thought, well, then she's probably a woman who looks a lot like Angelina Jolie, and so it's okay. But then I saw an interview with the actual woman, and I'm like, no, that's like, that's a black woman. Like, yeah. that's not... You know, so it was just a very, very weird casting decision uh, to me. Like, it's yeah. someone that Thandie Newton should have played, like that. Totally. That, oh my god, like. totally. Um, Do you know anywhere. Tandy Newton was supposed to be uh, Lucy Liu's part in um, Charlie's Angels? Yes, and then she didn't get along with somebody. She she Wasn't didn't that like. What it was? Well, the director basically whoever I it was say didn't get along. It makes it sound like she, um, yeah. Well, the, it, it's an interesting when you watch the interview. It, they were like. Um, we're going to start on your, we're going to start the shot on your butt and we're going to widen out from your butt. Right, <laughs> it was yeah. just like, she was just like, ew, no, yeah. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be your token in this movie. But also, um, I mean, I actually really enjoyed that movie when I, whenever it came out, but when your director goes by the name McGee, <laughs> like that's someone who, yeah, who like, you're not going to survive his bachelor party. Like that's just not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I'm not totally. I did enjoy anyway. it too, but I hear you. Eileen Heckart graduated from Ohio State University with an English degree, married her husband, and while he went off to serve in good old World War II, she moved to New York and pursued her acting career. What a what a choice! I know it makes you it makes you go, oh yeah, a lot of people could have done. That. Okay, yeah. you're gone. Good. I'm it's sort go of what Estelle Getty did too. She worked a secretary job and would go to auditions on her lunch hour and then yeah. go home and make dinner for her kids. Yeah, 
I yep. get it. I mean, I, I did that with other kids. Anyway, yeah. she made her Broadway debut in The Voice of the Turtle in 1945, had her breakthrough with The Picnic, or Picnic rather, Picnic, in 1953. Yeah. She pr- reprised her stage role in The Bad Seed in the film version and was nominated for an Oscar and received Tony nominations for The Dark at the Top of the Stairs, Invitations to a March, and Butterflies Are Free, which she also reprised on film and this time won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. One of other- my favorite performances. Oh, yeah. that's good to know. Yeah, she's so good. Other films in her illustrious career included Burnt Offerings, Clint Eastwood's Heartbreak Ridge, and The First Wives Club as Diane Keaton's mother, which was her last feature film. She gave her final stage performance in the Waverly Gallery in 2000, for which she was awarded a special Tony for career achievement. She died the following year at the age of 82, and she was born on this day in Columbus, Ohio in 1919. Wonderful, wonderful actress. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, one of my favorites on this list, the stunning Pearl Bailey mm-hmm. was a vaudeville star who made her Broadway debut in St. Louis, St. Louis Woman in 1946. Film roles came along in the 50s in the films Isn't It Romantic, Carmen Jones, Porgy and Bess, and All the Fine Young Cannibals. She won a Tony Award for the all-black production of Hello, Dolly, and later was in the film Norman, Is That You? and a voice in The Fox and the Hound. She hosted the variety series The Pearl Bailey Show in 1971 and won an Emmy for the after-school special Cindy Eller, A Modern Fairy Tale. She received the Screen Actors Guild Life Achievement Award in 1976 and the Presidential Medal of Freedom on October 17, 1988. She died two years later at the age of 72. She was born on this day in Newport News, Virginia in 1918. Another performer who began in vaudeville, Arthur O'Connell, played stages around the world and began appearing in the films in the 40s, rising to prominence when he repeated his Broadway role in Picnic... and I keep calling it The Picnic, in the film version anyway, and received an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Other notable film roles include Bus Stop, Gidget, Operation Petticoat, and a second Oscar nomination for Anatomy of a Murder. He worked until his final film role, The Hiding Place, in 1975, six years before his death at the age of 73. He was born on this day in New York City in 1908. And last but certainly not least, Michel has an avicius began his career in the French film industry after graduating art school and directing a number of music videos and commercials. He had success at home with his OSS 117 series of films that spoofed spy thrillers, then cast the star of those films, Jean Dujardin, in his film about a silent movie star whose career fails to transition to sound. Released at the Cannes Film Festival in 2011, The Artist won Dujardin the Best Actor Prize and then went on to rule the Hollywood Awards season and ended up winning Oscars for Best Picture and Best Director. Michel Hazanavicius followed it with his remake of Fred Zinnemann's The Search, starring Annette Bening, his Jean-Luc Godard biopic Godard Mon Amour, and the fantasy film The Lost Prince. He also puts his wife in all of his movies, and I love her, so I'm always happy to watch any of his films. (laughs) He was born on this day in Paris in 1967. Wow, well, what a list today. So many amazing people, Amy Sedaris and uh, others. (laughs) (laughs) Herschel from The Walking Dead. Anyway. Al McPherson. Al McPherson. Listen, um, it's a day to start planning your trip to Nevada. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the Grand Canyon or figure out that helicopter tour that I never seem to make happen. Walk <laughs> the strip, go to the old part and the new part. Um, if you're me, then you go to your friend's wedding yep. um, where they get married on uh, the pirate ship in front of Treasure Island. Um, 
my friend got our friend got married there and the ring bearer was one of the pirates who like came down the sail it was very it was very funny it was like on the side because the ship is like on the sidewalk so amazing yeah it was um and uh the memories lasted longer sadly than uh that relationship anyway um listen folks it's always a good time um feel like my voice is getting a little hoarse i'm not gonna lie i can hear it but um uh i love you all (laughs) wow we're really stringing this one out amanda does not want to say goodbye folks you better do it you better do it 15 minute death scene is what's happening here she's just one more and one more thing (laughs) when i get tired i just don't end indeed well this was born on this day for march 29th thank you all for listening we're almost at the end of this month next month is our last month it's so exciting uh we thank everyone who's been with us on this journey this entire time amanda as always i've had a wonderful time with you tonight and uh we'll all see you tomorrow i just want to thank marco okay bill lucy lawless speech we have another 10 minutes the state to go, of folks. nevada okay yeah. bye everybody bye